Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to My Time Capsule. My name's Mike Fenton-Stevens, and in this podcast, I talk to various people about the five things from their life that they would like to put into a time capsule. Four things that they cherish and want to preserve, and one that they would like to bury in the ground and never visit again. My guest this week is the wonderful actor... Anthony Head. Now, for a certain group of people, people about my age, Tony Head will always be the gold blend man. But that was a long time ago. Since then, he's, um, well, he's done one or two things. He was Rupert Giles in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Uther Pendragon in Merlin. And he was the Prime Minister in Little Britain, a role that he recently revived. He's in the Netflix phenomenon, The Stranger, and he was also fantastic as Geoffrey Howe in the film The Iron Lady with Meryl Streep. Yeah, he's done actually quite a lot of things, although I always picture him in fishnet stockings as Frankenfurter from the Rocky Horror Show. Still, my private life is my own business. Incidentally, this episode was recorded in early 2020, well before lockdown, and as you'll hear in the recording, Tony turned out to be a bit of a soothsayer particularly on the subject of worldwide apocalyptic events. Perhaps he's been talking to Merlin. Anyway, let's find out what five things Anthony Head would like to put into the time capsule. Hope you enjoy it. So, Anthony Head. Hello. Anthony Stewart Head. Yes. Tony Head. Hmm. I'm not quite sure what to call you. Ebony Hod. Ebony Hod. <laughs> That's what I call you, Ebony, from now on. <laughs> Ebony, thank you so much for doing this, and uh, welcome to my time capsule. I think before we talk about the things we're going to put into the time capsule, mm. I really should talk to you about your extraordinary career, 
which I've watched over the years with enormous envy, <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh, it, it never never seems to slow down, or does it to you? Oh, bless you. Yes, yeah, well, it's, I'm, I'm an actor, you know. It's, it's, we both know the gig. It's sort of... I'm just in, extraordinarily fortunate in that... Um, I just, I've just, I don't know, I've been part of things that just make a mark. You're very, very lucky if you just, if you get one of those, you know, but, but um, I've had so many evocative mm. sort of kind of, I don't know, landmarks through the ages. It's just, and so when I get recognised, um, people sort of go, oh, yeah, the only thing that I do slightly real at is when people say, where, where do I know, know you from? What, what? What, what have you done? Oh, and I was one in in I was um, it was in a restaurant in Germany, and this guy, I he literally ended up googling me. He said, "What's your name? What's your name?" <laughs> Anthony Head. Oh, is it? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, no. I have no clue where he's in. Or I, you know, there comes a point where you just think, let's, should we just do a line under this? Forget and just it. Walk on. It's just, you sort of recognise my face. Yes. You have no idea who I am. No. It's not important. No, maybe I'm your chemist. <laughs> <laughs> it does get into people's brains, doesn't it? Mm. It, it? More than anything else. And you try to explain that actually what you do is not terribly important. Mm. And yet people, because it's on the television or in films... Think- I kind of hope that if there is some sort of catastrophe and we are sort of post-apocalyptic that they they still need the storytellers mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that somehow oh i can't imagine people not wanting to be whisked off into some sort of fantasy or an imaginary world well that's the idea that you kind of you make them feel better about the crap that's going on by taking them into another world somehow mm-hmm. which is actually kind of what we do in as much as I mean, even you know, even this thing that I'm, I'm one of the man, the stranger, which it's it's a it's this a, is a new a, thing on Netflix, on Netflix yeah. which is huge. People are binge watching and then going back and watching the so that they can pick catch up on what they didn't understand. It's like pardon, <laughs> um, but it's just that you know the thing of a thriller is that people just like love to be taken up with someone else's endurance and hard hard times because yes. it makes them feel better about what they're going through but um just you know just that thing of 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 people like to be transported taken yes. somewhere else so what is the first thing that you would like to put in the time capsule from your life well my mum's 100th birthday <laughs> it was just so remarkable and bless her she said okay i'm doing this because everybody wants me to but um, I'd like to go after that, please. And um, we went off. Yeah, absolutely. And a month later, she left. Wow. Um, but it was the most remarkable day. And it was so lovely. And we actually, we all just spent the afternoon with her. And I got a, um, a, a song that she, she had this piece of piano music that she'd, um, she used to play when I was younger. I just, I'd always wanted to write some words to it and a lyrical line. And I was just thinking, I, I have no idea, what the hell can I do? That, you know. And then suddenly I was down uh, with the donkeys. That's not a euphemism. Yeah, no. Literally <laughs> down with the donkeys. Down with the donkeys, mm. mucking them out. Um, and I do, I do a lot of thinking uh, and introspection and, and things like suddenly writing um, 
music all to, and suddenly I thought I'm going to write about our love for her hmm. and what she does for us um, and I came up with a, a, a line a lead line and then I sort of came running back up to the house to listen to whether it worked and it worked I was like oh my god <laughs> so uh, I then recorded it um, with uh, a, a friend um who has a, a really nice little studio in Bath. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it, it's, it was just lovely. And I'm probably now, I don't think, I don't know whether anyone else will ever hear it, um, just because it was so sort of personal. And Mum absolutely adored it, mm. absolutely loved it. Now, maybe one day I'll, you know, but it was because the girls uh, sang the, on the choruses. Your daughters? Yes, Emily and Daisy. So basically, I got them to uh, record some lines on, and send it, you know, on the, on the phone, and uh, I sort of put them together, and it was it, it came out really, really sweet, and it, it's one of those um, when I played it to Mum, she was was sorry. that at, at her birthday party? Mm. She, <laughs> that was that was our present, and she didn't know it was good. She was going to no, hear this. No, thing. no, no, oh, no. Wow. And she was very moved. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very sweet. And it's one of those that will always... Just things that come together that you just... You never dreamed, actually, of it sort of somehow materialising. And no. it actually all came together. It was quite extraordinary. Yeah. And I, you know, because I, I was thinking, what can we give... What do you give somebody on their 100th birthday? For 100 years, you've yeah. done yeah. and seen everything. Yeah. Really. And it was about, it was about her mm. and us. With her. And a couple of the staff heard it and were moved to tears. So, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but, um, yeah, because she was in a, in a, a care yeah, home. In a care home. But, um, yeah, that's, that's... So, when when was this? Do you mind me asking? Um, that was in, at the end of August last year. Really? And then she went in October. That recently? Mm. Wow. The beginning of October. So, she was born at the end of the First World War? Yep. 1919. Good Lord. It's a very strange thing, that, isn't it, with older people? Mm. And I say older than us, <laughs> which is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that you think about the world when they came into it mm. and what it was. A hundred different. years. The things that have changed oh. in a hundred years are, are phenomenal. Yeah. So much so that this must almost seem like an alien world. With your mother, though, stayed really, oh, really bright and, and sharp. Wonderful sense of humour. I mean, the only thing that was, she was really struggling with was, was her body, you know, basically. Um, In the end, that's yeah, often the yeah. thing. There was part of her that she just said, please let me go. And there was a point when she was starting to fade and I was trying to make her comfortable. And she said, please, please, please don't, don't stop me from going. I said, mum, I'm not. I'm, I'm just trying to make you feel more comfortable. Mm. Um, so did you give her permission, as it were? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. I mean, really hard because you're looking at somebody who you adore, and you, you think, oh, I, I don't know what life is going to be like without you. No. And, I mean, it's, it's really weird, because I used her original track. Um, I, I use it now as a, on, on my alarm. <laughs> so when I'm doing something, and suddenly it, it plays, and I think, oh, that's Mum. Uh, oh, no, it's not. I mean, I've got over it now, just because I just like to have it, but... There was one point... I was just That's thinking, still oh, close, though, a year ago. Mm. It's, it's, it's close. It takes longer mm. than that to, for these things to go away. Mm. You know? And I don't think that ever goes away. No. Nope. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It means they're still with you, I think. Yeah, absolutely. 
So that's it. So your your mother's hundredth birthday party. Mm. That's a lovely thing to put in. Mm. And I love the fact that, that she was there and fully enjoying it. Yeah. Oh, she loved it. Absolutely loved it. But a, an amazing decision to say to you, I'll go this far, but no mm. further. Mm. I'm doing this for you. Because well, she had, she was like, she, I mean, for years, it felt like she was going, oh, you know, when am I going to, how can I get from here? And when, when the home started, you know, saying, it's your 100th birthday, we're going to do this and we're going to, and she said, oh, please, really? I said, no, I don't, can we not, you know? And they were saying, you know, well, you can have some alcohol. I said, I don't want any that, If I wanted alcohol, yeah. I'd drink it. Seriously. Um, but, and um, we just, we just, I don't know, we set up a really nice um, little day. And um, it was lovely. Fantastic. It's really sweet. Well, there it is. It's going in. Mm. Into the time capsule. Into the time capsule. That's a very good start. Yes. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. Right. What else have you got for me? Buffet. Buffy, the vampire player. <laughs> it was one of those extraordinary things that you do something and... You don't realise for an instant. You know it's successful and you know it's it's extraordinarily enjoyable. Yes. There are problems that go with it. The fact that you are thousands of miles away from your family, mm-hmm. which is difficult and, and even harder than you even contemplate. But you don't think for a minute. You, you think, oh, this, this is how things go, you know. It's been a good show. Yeah. It's a success. It's more than a success. It's a massive success. It's an internet, you know. Um, did that creep up on you then? Or did that? Yes. yes. You Duh. think, so, oh, great, I'm doing a show in America. Yeah. Fantastic. That's good. This will be a lovely year. I'd, I'd been out there. Uh, um, Sarah had uh, had suggested my going out there because I'd, I'd done the commercial, which... Um, my agent said at one point that she'd put me up for something and they'd said, oh, this is a serious drama. We don't want people reaching for their coffee yeah. jars. So she went, what do we do? But then surely American television is entirely based on that premise. Exactement. Mm. And uh, they just have a very different uh, attitude to high profile. Mm. Uh, and, I'm, you know, the, the advert was extraordinary. It was just, uh, it was, uh, I got to work with some lovely people uh, and uh, the copywriter... Um, and he came up to me at one point and he said, be prepared to be a household face. And I said, what does that mean? He said, well, they won't know your name, but they'll know your face. Mm. And I went, oh, 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 okay. Had no clue. But it basically, um, it was a huge success in America as well. And you'd and do it for many people. That would be the, that's changed that's my it. life. That's it. You'd say, well, that's, I've had this fantastic yeah. break. There Thanks. you go. Well done me. Right now I'll go back and here comes Sunderland Rep. <laughs> Yes. But Sarah said, well, uh, you're successful. It's, it's, it's big out in America as well. Why don't you go and see what, um, what it does for you out there? So we went out there. I got an agent. And I did, I did a, a show called uh, VR5, uh, which, which I thought was going to be a huge success. And it ran a season. And then it was on Fox. And they, just, they basically put it on... Um, they kept taking it off because there was ice hockey or something. I can't remember, so. um, and they didn't have any, any precursor. There was no sort of, you know, previously on yeah. VR5. So nobody knew what the hell was going on. <laughs> um, and then I came home and then I went back out for a couple of pilots and that. Um, and there was a point when 
my agent, uh, I had an offer of uh, this series. I can't even remember what it was on, but it was a, a very, very dark show about um, demons and ghosts and all the rest of it. I think they're called Poltergeist. And Yeah, what do we need for this? I know, the coffee man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, his, his, his weapon can be a coffee jar. Um, but um, I just didn't... It was really, really dark. There was a guarantee of 24 shows or 48 shows or something like mm. that. So my agent out there was... By Keen. He said, you, you, have, you have to do this. Yeah. And I'm going, um, but it doesn't feel quite right. And I asked Sarah what she thought. And she said, don't do it. She said, there's something just around the corner. Wow. Um, She's very intuitive, your wife. Extremely. Remarkably intuitive. And she just said, no, there's something lurking. Don't worry. And then uh, this extraordinary script came through. And uh, I was reading it in a Tex-Mex restaurant in Santa Monica, as you do. Laughing out loud and, and like, like turning over the page, you know, on my own, people looking at me thinking, oh, what's he doing? Um, and I, I, I remember going to a mate who um, had a place because we, the, it was in the valley, the, the, the audition. Uh, I went into my mate and said, I, I really want this. And he said, Then you're going to get it. <laughs> I haven't got any friends like that. <laughs> He's a very, very sweet man. He, he, uh, he was actually a costumer on VR5. And I went in and I said, I'm not quite... This feels somewhere between uh, Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham and, and, and Prince Charles. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's, either, either he's a bit bumble, sort of, oh, yes, or he's like, he's kind of on it. And, and Joss said, um, somewhere in between. I was like, oh, Oh, mm. no, I've blown it. No, I've really blown it, because if I don't get the middle... Um, but I did. Yeah. And uh, he said... He said I, I, but there was an element of both those characters. Well, that was... Yes. <laughs> you stuck to your guns. Yes, I did. Um, although, it has to be said, we, did, um, uh, we, did, uh, we didn't even do a pilot. They, they didn't put any money in it at all, because it was a mid-season pickup. So they, they paid for a... a what is it called? Was it like a half hour... Um, and uh, we did the end scene first, and I, I just felt kind of, you know, I wasn't sure what I was doing. And I, the next day, thankfully, the editing suite was next to my dressing room, mm. and I could hear my voice. Oh, so I poked my face in, had a quick look, and it was so fucking bad. It was like, <laughs> it was like oh my God, no, don't do that. <laughs> Thank God, because I then had... I don't know, three, four days or whatever it was to just to, to do everything else. Yes. So that... It, Hopefully no people wouldn't notice the end yes. scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could you do that one in voiceover? <laughs> yes, I, which I had I did do later on. Um, there was one scene that we did, and I... Because one of the things about being away from my family was that basically if I got six days clear, anything else was too too little, but six days gave me just enough... To get over here, have some time with them, hang out, sort of, and then get back on a plane and come back. Yeah. Um, How old were the girls at that point? Um, the end of season five, was, Daisy was ten, because mm. I remember her saying in the car, you've been away more than half my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
And in a very nice way. She wasn't saying it sort of like, she was actually just saying, oh, yeah. Mm, That's because she wasn't 13. (laughs) (laughs) Then she would have really, she would have come straight for the jugular. It's true. Very true. But, um, yeah, they were young, very young. Sarah basically was a single parent. Bottom line was, I got it. Joss said I I put it under my arm and, and walked away with it. And I did think like an idiot because you when you when you sign the contract in america after your audition you have to do it again for the for the network and mm. again for the studio and at some point in that you you're sitting in a corridor before you go in and they're handing you your contract and you're signing it because basically what they don't want you to do is if you then if they say yes we'll take you to say right i'll double my money when i signed the contract i thought to myself, I thought it was f- five years because up to that point, that's what it was for a five year mm. contract. When we were headed towards the end of five years, somebody said, No, no, it's a seven year contract. I went, it, What? Seriously? So I then went back and looked at my contract. Yes, seven years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. Um, did we, would you head in the hand because you were looking forward to renegotiating? Well, no, because I was looking forward to going home. Going home, yes. And I, I went to Joss and said, um, so "I got this wrong. I thought it was, I thought it was five years and it's seven. Um, can I leave?" Right. <laughs> and bless him, he said, "Well, I'd rather you didn't leave, but you know, do you want, want to become a, a, a recurring instead of a regular?" I went, "Ah, oh, that that would be it. That's tell us to go home." Yeah. And so in, in season five, I think I did eight episodes or something out of 22. Because it's 22 episodes. That was yeah. eight months of the year. Yes. And it's, it's fairly constant, isn't it? You, people oh, don't realise yeah. how long the hours are hmm. and how often you're in studio. At least 14 hours a day. Mm. But, um, I mean, they were very kind to me. And, they, you know, when I said, I need, you know, any time we got six days clear, please. I need a flight. Um, yeah. Yes. And I had done the six the six days and I really really crammed it and flew back uh, literally the day before I was going to film a scene so I was a bit spaced mm. and I got the scene completely wrong I mean just called me and said ah, why did you turn a very co- a comic scene into a three hour tragedy <laughs> it's like oh sorry should I get it wrong said, yes so I, I watched it back, and thankfully, basically, I just I just used Basil Fawlty because mm. I was you know in the scene I was just very angry, so I just I just did Basil Fawlty and, and it worked a treat. <laughs> so, what was your favourite episode? I mean, I, I I would imagine it would be the one where you had to sing all the way through. Strangely, yes, it I mean, was an amazing episode. Oh, extraordinary yeah, thing to do. One. I mean, he right at the beginning when when we were doing our little half-hour presentation, um, there was a moment when we were setting up to do a, a scene in the, in the library and we were waiting in a little room to the side and we got talking about musicals. And I said, oh, my God, I, I love music. You know, I've done musicals. Yeah. And he said, well, you know, he, he, he loved musicals. And Sarah Michelle said, yeah, me too. And... <laughs> and we, God, she's a, she came alive for you there. She was in the room. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> and we said right then, um, 
he said, one day maybe I'll do a musical. <gasps> what? 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 So, for, I mean, for about three or four years, I said, are we doing a musical this year? And he said, no, 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 no. That would be, that would just be pushed. It just doesn't, no, it's not there. And then one summer, this CD came through the post of him plonking away at the piano. Because we used to, when his wife at the time, Kai was away, and uh, so we used to do Shakespeare readings on Sundays. Mm. And it was great. And at the end of it, we'd drink tequila and beer and have a sing-song and sit around his piano. And, and he, at that point, realised how many voices he had. So, yeah, it was him and, and Kai was singing the, the, the female bits and he was singing the male bits. And it was just like, oh, my God, mm. this is real. Um, and he just, yeah, he'd just come up with the idea and... and um, I was like a groupie. I, li- I literally, I did my bit, and then I hung around in the studio. And there was one point when uh, when uh, Nikki and Emma came in to do their bit, um, and uh, Emma said, "Why are you still here?" It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just don't want to leave. I, I like musicals. <laughs> I, I feel really at home. I just love studios. I wow. just love, love hanging, you know. Um, and if there's any backing vocals, I'm very happy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you were so keen to get back in. Oh. One of the other, other I've watched it again recently, uh, The Body, which is the most extraordinary piece of television. The Body is when, when uh, Buffy's mother dies. Oh, wow, well, yeah. And he told me a few episodes, like, well, actually, probably about six months. He said, yeah, Buffy's mum's going to die. I went, what? He said, yeah. Um, and then she had a, um, a, a brain tumour and she was operated on and, it was all, and she survived. I said, I thought she was going to go. He said, she is. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. An aneurysm, don't we? And um, and he said, "Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to be a very funny episode." And then, uh, right at the end of it, Buffy walks into the house, and her mum's on the sofa, and she's she's dead. Um, and it's exactly what happened. Um, and it, it's the most extraordinary. Um, one thing he said, he was sort of working it out, and he said, "He said I'm thinking about maybe not." using any music, just having sounds. And I went, that's fucking amazing. That's genius. Yeah. Then it becomes raw. Oh, it's just extraordinary. If you've never seen it, watch it, because it will blow your mind. Just because it's, it's just the most remarkable piece of writing. And you just think, I've never seen anything like it. Anything. There was a point when it was rumoured that the BBC was interested in, in, in taking it. And then I heard that they decided to do it as a, a kid's show. Uh, really? Mm. Like at six o'clock at night or something. It was early. Yeah. And they were cutting out massive... I mean, even there's a point when uh, Xander throws a, a, a symbol and it... And it and chops off a, a vampire's head. You can guess where that's going, yeah. Yeah, cut. Um, and um, there was a huge backlash, thankfully, of people saying, no, 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 we want, we want to see this uncut. And so they, they showed it again. It was on a Friday night, and mm-hmm. they did one episode show it at 6 o'clock or something, and then they showed it at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And people came back from the pub. And it yeah. just turned well, off. Bang. Yeah. Right. As two items that Anthony Head is putting into the time capsule, uh, we're going to take a short break now for some ads. We'll be back in a minute. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back. Okay, let's get back to the podcast and find out what Anthony Head would put into the time capsule as his third item. Family. 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 Yeah. Um, and, I mean, very much Sarah and the girls and all our animals. <laughs> <laughs> They're all part of our family. Me, just for just for um, you know how much stuff I've got to get in, mm, you know, mm. and stabling and food and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, how yeah. many animals are we talking about? Well, I mean, if we're talking about past dogs as well, we're talking about four or five, maybe. But you can um, bring them all. Yes, yes. yes. Um, we've got four donkeys, obviously, mm-hmm. which is where I yeah, right songs. Yes, yes. Um, just at the bottom of the garden down there. Um, and uh, one um, little pony, uh, a Shetland. Uh, sometimes he's a Shetland. Um, <laughs> he likes to bite me. No one else. Um, just at the moment when you think he's... Um, he's oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> he has bitten my nipple. Uh, and it's very painful. Uh, I, I, I threw a shirt and a work jacket and everything, and it was still... Um, and it, it, he doesn't. He doesn't. Not with Sarah. Not with Daisy. Not, no. No one else. Just me. He used to do when they were just topping up his water and, and, and stuff. He'd play um, Grandma's footsteps. He'd be on the other side of the field. Yeah. They'd be doing the thing, and they just look around, <laughs> and he was like slightly closer, but he was just just gesturing. I didn't miss. And then they'd go back to the whatever they were doing and they'd go, yeah, and he's closer again. And he would literally sneak up on people. <laughs> and bite their nipple. <laughs> <laughs> or their bottom. Yes. Um, yes, his name's Jacob. And uh, to be honest, I don't know how many horses are up at the farm, but uh, there's, a, there's a few rescues um, and it's part of, of Sarah's work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, to say she's an animal behaviourist is just, it's not... It doesn't really cover it. No, no. Yes, I mean, stabling is, yeah, I suppose we just, I mean, we could just bring the stabling with us. And, put it, and um, um, you'll do the mucking out, of course. Of course. I mean, no, you don't have to do that. Well I, well, I will, I do. You like it? Um, I didn't used to, but it's actually, I find it now, 
it's very reflective. You do, mm. you find yourself, I'm down there longer than anybody else, basically. Everybody says I take three times as long as they do. <laughs> but I've got quicker. Huh? Um, you know, you're listening to birdsong and, you know, and the donkeys doing their thing. <laughs> um, it's a lot better than a gym as well, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, definitely. A lot more fun. A little bit of a workout. Keeps your muscles going and, and yeah. all that stuff. I, I used to sort of just think, <laughs> mucking through poo. But now... I just, do they not know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> I think they do. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I actually enjoy it now. So the girls now, mm. at this age, mm. or, or you, could, you could have them... Oh, no, throughout. Right through the yes. whole thing. Because it's, I mean, it's basically about my learning um, and about pretty much, you know, what Sarah has... Because uh, if, I, if I was with someone else, I would not... I don't think I would have learnt as much because she is so intuitive and so, um, so wise and so, so just easy to be around and, mm-hmm. and fun and, you know. Um, I've learnt an enormous amount I mean, just literally one of the things, you know, she's with animal observation, something that we don't give two hoots about, we don't think about. What they are trying to tell us with, um, well, for instance, Alvin, our very, very sweet little dog, he likes to lie at the top of the stairs. And I can't help but when we sort of sit in front of him and kiss the top of his head. And Sarah said... um, you are aware that he's not very happy with that, aren't you? And what, what do you mean? Well, uh, he's licking his lips, he's yawning, he's swallowing. Oh, my God, you're right. Of course, of course, oh, my God. All the things that they... They're just They're not warnings. They're, not, they're, just, they're basically just saying... Hmm, I'm, I'm just finding it slightly hard to deal with. The number of people, that you, the number of photographs that you see of a dog that's smiling, in inverted commas, yes. Yes. who say, look, the dog's laughing, it's like... No, no. it's actually showing anxiety. Mm. And once you start to sort of intuit what they're doing and when they feel uncomfortable and when they're feeling stressed and whatever... I mean, Alvin has... Um, it's more than separation anxiety. Um, he gets really, really anxious when, when he's left alone. Mm. He really struggles, so someone has to be with him. Yeah. Just things like that. Quite often people just assume that the dog's happy. Yes. I had a neighbour who had a dog, and um, he told me that his dog was brilliant because it knew when he was leaving and knew when he was coming back. So mm. as he left in the morning to go to work leaving the dog indoors, mm-hmm. it, would, it would bark a farewell to him. Mm-hmm. And then when he arrived home, it would bark as he came up the street. It just knew he was arriving. Mm. And I, after a couple of months of bearing this, I said, no, it barks all the fucking time. <laughs> yes. Once you become aware of that, it kind of alters your state. I mean, that, that I find has been a, a huge lesson. Um, and just and again with 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 the girls, um, just growing up with them, um, it's taught me so much. Um, and uh, it is funny when you have, you have children when you're quite young, mm. you are really a child yourself, aren't you? <laughs> yes. And actually, as they 
grow and mature. I wasn't that young. You were younger. Oh, well. Definitely. But I was definitely a child. And, mm. and having children uh, and a sensible wife was the thing that made me grow up. <laughs> so I sort of grew up as my children did. We often bickered. <laughs> At the age when they were about five. Well, I did, but when they I, were five I and I was 25, <laughs> I was still at their stage. So my wife would say, you're arguing with a tiny child. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm. I was the one that would get all... <clears throat> in the morning, you know, and when trying to get them ready for, for school and that. And there was one morning when I said, um, right, if you're not ready by bloody blah, I'm going without you. <laughs> Look about that like gift horse. Strangely, they all laughed. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then, go ahead. Here you go. Yep. Very good. Very good negotiating. Yeah. You yeah. should have been a diplomat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. So you're going to take your family yeah. and all the extended family yeah. of you, yeah. the animals, yeah. Yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. And the whole history of it. Mm. Yeah, mm. There's not a moment you can do without. No. And I mean, and, and one of the things about life is the fact that there, you know, there are ups and downs. But I, I mean, I, I learned a long time ago that, uh, that, and it sounds so uh, boring, but everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. Even if it's like five years down the line, you, if you have the memory, you go, oh, my God. If I, if that hadn't happened, I would never in a million years have thought that. Mm. And if where you are is somewhere you want to be mm. when you get there, mm. then thank goodness for all the things going wrong. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, mm. you kind of have to learn by your mistakes. And... Um, I was just, I went into a slight pause then because I realised that I'm running out of, I may have to take an extra time for this. <laughs> and you can't just break the rules. Sorry, I may have to. <laughs> oh dear. But you're going to have to get your own time capsule. Uh, yeah, well, all right, I'll buy one. <laughs> <laughs> because that's number three and I've only got one more. One more, well, you, uh, one more that you, you like. Yeah, yeah I know. Mm. You know, I was thinking at one point of, you know, what do you put in the in the in the bad time casual, and I was thinking of the moment that you know when they left America. I mean, oh my God, I was it was, I mean it was grief. Yes, um, and was I mean to say it's hard to to deal with is I mean absolutely. I mean, Anybody who has to do that with a family, let's say goodbye to them. God knows how, how I, mean, I can't imagine how you yeah. become a, a join the Royal Navy no, and go away exactly. for four months. And, exactly. I, I mean, or, or go off as a soldier and, or, or even you know, oil exploration, those yeah. sort of things. You've got to... Um, that, that pain of the... I remember that I was in, uh, in Australia and, uh, mm-hmm. and they came to visit. I was working there. And then going to the airport and you know, putting on a brave face and saying, see you soon, see you, Bobby, back mm. soon. But watching them walk away through departure, the departure lounge is awful, isn't it? And you have to keep smiling and waving. Yep. And, and I the, then would get, I'd go up to the roof where the car was parked and I'd just cry. Mm. Um, oh. But I decided not to make that one. I but it is part of 
the learning process and, as I say, of the highs and lows. There are, you know, especially as you say, the teens, uh, which is it's it's not personal, it's hormonal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it, there are times when you just um, and and M and I, bless her heart, we used to we just used to lock horns. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, now we look back on it, and it was just it was just part of you know. I remember sort of I'd be saying something, she'd be get out of my room and all that stuff. Yes. I but hate it's, you. Yes, I hate you. But it's part of the it's part of the the learning process. Yes. And and it's about and this this is this is my my fourth. Uh, well, all right. My fourth was um, uh, Milton Katsalis. When I was uh, out in LA the first time, and I was calling Sarah and moaning. And saying I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, really, I'm not going up for things, and um, I don't know what am I doing. And she's saying, "Please, I really don't need this. I've got two children here. Mm-hmm. I make, you know, I'm making things work. I, I want to hear what's what you're doing that's successful. I really don't want to hear your moaning." <laughs> I've had exactly the same conversation with my wife. I'm here looking after two small children while you're out in a beautiful, sunny country with lots of money, meeting interesting people. Tell me something nice. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Who can blame them? Um, And she said, just look, go and do class. I said, what do you mean? Go and do acting class. Go and learn what they're looking for in America. This is a different system. It's a different way of looking at things, different way of thinking so go and find a, a teacher and um, go, go to class. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, all right. So I found this. I asked around and um, there was a class and a teacher. And it, people had different sort of feelings about him. Some, some whatever. His, he had a, a, a very interesting reputation. And I, I don't know, I went to see... Uh, I had a little interview with someone that was sort of saw people in and was waiting to hear about it and hadn't heard anything. So I rang them up and they said, oh, yes, yes, we've been trying to get hold of you. We didn't know how to get hold of you. So, you know, yes, do come. We would love you to come. And he was the most extraordinary person in the world. He's, he's dead now. But um, his whole ethic was change, embrace change. We have parachutes that we use to make us feel comfortable in something. Just let the parachutes go. Just mm. jump. Just step over the threshold and find out what's on the other side. Because it's those things that you do that you've become habits that sort of just, just little saving graces actually hold you back. So let them go. And embrace change. And it was just the most extraordinary thing in my life. It was just such a huge, huge learning curve. Because you would do scenes. And one of my early scenes with him, it was weird. He said, um, he said there's somebody in your life uh, that's um, always pulled the rug out from under your feet. I said, pardon? <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, um, just work out who they are and ask them to stop. Next morning, my parents rang up 
And I talk, I mean, my mum's first, and I talk to her, and I tell her what Milton said, what I'm thinking about. And then my dad, and I'm telling him about this job that I've just booked, this Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, wow. Uh, so it's a remarkable, it's, you know, it's, it, it's a great page turner and it's uh, really funny. And he said, oh yeah, all your best moments will end up on the cutting room floor. Oh, no. Sorry? Could you just put me back to mum for a minute? And I said, um, mum, he's doing it. That's exactly what Milton was talking about. And she said, yeah, he's shielding you from disappointment. Uh. So it was obviously something that that's what you do with your children. You shield yes. them from your disappointment. But, yes. that, but if you do that, if you prevent them from being disappointed, you... You don't let them go into a position where they might be disappointed. Absolutely. Don't take the risk. No. Mm. And you don't let them experience anything themselves. No. So I had to tell him to stop, and it was hard. It was difficult mm. because that was just, you know, that was, that was the way he'd been brought up. Yes. Um, and he was doing it because he loved you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, there was a moment when when they were here and they watched. Um, I think it was the second or third episode, um, and my mum was laughing raucously, and my dad was not. And I was thinking, oh dear, oh well, whatever. And then um, I went upstairs, and I think I was running a bath or something. It was a bit odd, but anyway, and. I thought, oh, here it comes. Just now he's going to lay into it. And he didn't. And he just put his hand on my shoulder in a very loving way. And I thought, oh. And then when I was seeing them onto the train to go home, I said, Dad, I just want to thank you for that moment because I know know you wanted to say something, but you didn't. And that's, that's a leap in the right direction. That's fantastic. And he said, well, I just wanted to say, I thought you were wasting five years of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. (laughs) Okie dokie. Let's um, keep keep working (laughs) on it. Keep trying. Well done. um, You see, it's funny because I think of your career. I know that quite often people will think, oh, well, you get cast along that line. That's mm. your thing. But, you know, I remember you in Rocky Horror Show, mm. you know, in Suspenders. Mm. And I've also seen you be very sort of silly and funny. Okay. So if you're really good at something, people will continually ask you to do it. But um, it doesn't mean that you can't. No. and I mean, actually, in our business, you have to f- physically make them think about other things. You mm-hmm. have to, you know, that's why you can't. You can't, I mean, you can just embed yourself in a, you know, if you're happy just doing, going down one route and then, but if other things turn you on and there are certain roles that I would love to, to put in a time capsule that like, like Frank and Furter and, um, and doing, you know, Iron Lady with, with Meryl Streep, just some of the experiences are quite extraordinary and moments where one feels Completely different, just mm. totally different. I mean, like, one of the, the extraordinary things about Frankenfurter was I, I did see Tim years and years ago, and then I saw somebody who took over from him, and they were just doing a Tim impersonation. Impersonation, yes. And that's what 
feels like a lot of Franks did. And I just thought, oh, there's more. I can feel something in me that somehow resonates. Um, I'd love to do this one day. I'd heard somewhere that they were casting for it. Uh, and I rang my agent and said, I, to look, I, the, however we can do this, please, please, I want to get in there. I really want to do this. Oh, yes, darling, darling. Yes, I, you know, I'll, my back's against the wall. I won't, I won't, you know, I won't. And, of course, then I saw a poster for it that Tim McInerney was cast. It was like, oh, fuck, fuck. Oh, and that was one of the last moments I had with her and then I moved on. Um, and then, amazingly, I think it was three months later, um, her assistant called and said, um, they're looking for, they're going to, because it was only a short, short contract. Um, they're recasting. Do you, do you, yes, please. <laughs> so, um, and I went up for it and, and uh, I mean, I, I loved it. Mm. And met, met Richard and um, Milton, I would just say quickly, um, he was intuitive and, and Sarah and, and he met um, and they, loved each other because they obviously felt two very, very similar beings. He was incredibly observant. He'd do an exercise um, when you'd stand singing in front of the class and he'd just get up and um, you'd suddenly, he'd suddenly let, just shake your shoulders and then just show that your your finger and thumb were being pressed together and just, and as you as he'd released those, suddenly people would just dissolve because you were taking away their, their little support mechanisms, yes. the things that they would hold on to that would hold them back. Mm-hmm. And then once they let go, it was just, oh, my God, it was just amazing. Suddenly it was a different world. One of the things I always remember about when we worked together mm. is having a, a conversation with you about and saying, why do you lean forward when you walk upstage? and lean backwards when you walk downstage. Do you remember this? No. And we discussed this, and you said, I don't, do I? And then halfway through the next performance, you came to me and went, bloody hell, I do. <laughs> and, uh, and we then sat and discussed why it would be, and eventually you worked out it was because you'd done chess for a year, and it had such an enormous <laughs> rake. <laughs> you, when you turned, you expected to walk uphill. And when yes. you came down, you expected to lean back. Oh, my God. And that was about, was only about two performances <laughs> in. But you, and so I remember seeing you the next performance, really visibly concentrating <laughs> on walking normally. <laughs> oh, my God, I wish that we had affected my performance, but that will be my fifth time for too. Um <laughs> But um, yeah, uh, I'll just I'll jump between between these the, the possible capsules because uh, there was one scene that I did with uh, Michelle Williams and um, we we just worked it. I thought I thought I basically got it. I thought so. Um, and the scene was set in a in a, um, a house, and uh, we worked out that I was going to walk out in front of the audience and uh, turn and look at the sort of surrounding area and then walk into the house. And he said, in his, when he was talking at the end, he said, yeah, he said, when you, when you walked out in front of the audience, he said, uh, that was absolute magic. I saw everything that you saw. Uh, and he said, I was transported. And from that moment, it went down. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> because I obviously, you know, and I was in my head, I was thinking, yeah, well, you know, he's, he's going to bear in mind that we haven't had much time in rehearsal. Although he, none of that ever, ever came into his equation. No. He would always, it would just be just very, very specific, spot on. You know, he, he taught us basically the words will take care of themselves. Uh, it's about um, making that person alive. And, mm. you know, and The uh, words will take care mm. of themselves. That's a very, very good note. Oh, yeah. And finding... Because oh, there's one thing English actors always do. We always spend too much time looking at the words. Yeah. But he, he'd, he'd recommend doing arbitraries, uh, which are basically just things that, that just come out of the blue, that just, you know, just yeah. throw something in um, in, a, in, a, in an argument scene between a man and a woman, um, just suddenly find yourself kissing. Because, you know, that's, what, you know, the, the passion of the moment. And then break apart, whatever, you know, just... And don't, and then and also in rehearsal play where the scene might go, but it was it was quite remarkable and it changed my whole focus and some of the roles I've had where I've been just completely transported into another one of the things when I did rope and we did it at Wyndham's. One of the moments I remember will always remember is Frank Finley, um, who I'd worked with, bless him, coming backstage afterwards and saying. I didn't know who you were for 10 minutes. Wow. Working with someone like Meryl Streep. Um, <laughs> can imagine. My God. Just working with her. I mean, she... Just quite remarkable. And, in, and it's, it's on the same lines in as much as... Um, I remember the first... The first read-through we had. She was... Bless her. She was late. She got caught up in traffic or something. And, and um, in a group... We all went, sort of said, I'm so-and-so and I'm doing such and such. And everybody, as people were saying what their parts they were playing, everyone was going, oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, you know, Anthony Head, um, uh, Jeffrey Howe. And there was a, like this, oh. <laughs> Thanks um, a lot. Right, OK. Um, but, no, seriously, Jeffrey Howe. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the, the reason they, they, they thought I looked... They put glasses on two actors, and I, I got it. Um, but, um, <laughs> Just two, apparently. <laughs> None um, of which looked like Jeffrey Howe. Is that what you're saying? That's very but she, when we had the first... You did look like Jeffrey Howe, actually. It was extraordinary. I can't I, believe that you did. I must admit, I, I, I was very pleased with it, because the, the note was, don't... You know, this is, you don't have to copy him. No, not an impersonation. Is not, you know, this is not an impersonation. It's about finding the person. Mm-hmm. And I think I did all right, actually. But part of it was because Margaret Thatcher used to just rip him apart as time went on more and more. And in the read-through, I can't remember whether... I don't think it was a line. I think she was just asking me to do something. Whatever it was, I nearly shat myself. I was like... I didn't know whether... It, I, is she, is she talking to me as an actor, or, or she, and it was basically she was talking to Jeffrey, but she just demolished me in like two words, whatever it was. And most actors loathe a table read; mm. it's the most horrible thing. And yes. everybody's always awful mm. at them. Mm. Not Meryl Streep. I have done an American um, pilot table read, and I did the uh, the usual English kind of you know lay back and talk, you know, mm. and they came up to me. Uh, about halfway mark and said, um, step up to the plate. Wow. If you don't, you're gone. So, 
okay, right, I'll step up. <laughs> yeah. But then, Meryl, in, in, when we were filming, the, there was a, a, a scene at the cabinet table and uh, she's having a go. And she would just, she'd just do several goes, just running. Run. And um, there was one point when I thought she'd forgotten her lines. She did the Margaret Thatcher kind of um, pause thing. And I turned to see if she was all right, you know, see just that thing. And she was just staring at me. <laughs> and I think I did shit myself. Wow. <laughs> like, it was just quite extraordinary. It was just like, fucking hell, that is just... That's not inhabiting. That is just... That's just somehow being... Uh, I don't know. Well, she's without doubt done some of the great performances on film. And at the anyway. same time... And I have, I've said this to a few people, but you know, you know that that thing of, of when you're doing a, a scene with someone and the closer to the, the camera, to the lens you are, the more that the other person basically gets full on. Yes. You go right by the side of the camera, the yeah. camera shot is almost full on their face. Yes. yes. And you work with some people who will be like a foot away from the camera. She would literally force her face up against the camera so, so that her skin is... And I'm thinking, oh, my God, be, be careful with that. That's amazing. That beautiful face. But yeah. just that there's, you know, absolutely no I'm a star, um, you know... You, no, your turn. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a good friend out there who did a did a series with someone, with a, uh, an actress who she'd do her, her side and then she'd leave. Yes. I've had that. It's not pleasant. Yes, you do it to a, a, a little cross on the side of the thing while somebody reads the lines in. Yeah. So there we are. So we're putting this extraordinary person who changed your life, really, and changed the way that you... Your mm. professional life. Mm. But does that go into also your private life? Well, in as much as embracing change. Embracing change. People really, really, really um, try to avoid change. Which kind of brings me to my fifth, um, and the, which was strangely called Around the World well, in 80 it. Days. Around the World in 80 Days. Mm. This mm. is the musical that this we did together. This is the musical together. that we met. Uh, yeah. Thanks a bunch. Not for yeah. any other reason, because there were so many things that, from the experience that I would not put in the canister. The canister itself um, was for my extraordinary rendition. Um <laughs> The, not hugely comfortable for me in as much as it, it had lots of soul, but it was straighter. And Phileas Fogg sang in a straight way mm. that I was initially uncomfortable with that. And I wasn't sure whether I suited it. <laughs> and I just I did that thing. I mean, and there were all sorts of fascinating things. I remember them saying, you know, we, the, the idea for the stage design uh, was genius to have these large sort of playing cards. Yes. Um, you know, with the, the scenery painted on them and they just would slot in and slot out so you could have remarkably fast scene changes. Which somebody, somewhere down the line, decided to make out of MDF. Mm-hmm. Which takes three or four people to carry because it's Incredibly so heavy. fucking heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and therefore takes five minutes <laughs> to slot into its very simple yes. design. Yes. Yes. Yes, and then when it's actually there, everybody goes, oh. 
Um, <laughs> well, of course, I think the, the production is summed up by my friend Jeremy Pascal, who, uh, when we went for dinner after one of the performances with Robin Ray, who was the director, and he asked my friend Jeremy uh, if he'd enjoyed the production. And he said, well, when, when I read that it was uh, Around the World in 80 Days, I didn't realise that that title was literal. <laughs> and so I think that sort of sums up the problem with it, yes. Well, that's not the only problem. No. The problem was that I read Jules Verne's um, appraisal of the character, and he basically said that Phileas Fogg didn't show emotions and was just very British and very stiff upper lip and very just basically everything that makes uh, a leading man... Very boring. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I can think of several actors who are brilliant at that, who make it kind of uh, almost exciting. Um, But certainly it's it's about the character's development, about his journey, about, you know, how he he grows, how he changes. I do remember a bunch of people coming to my dressing room saying, You've got to change. <laughs> yes, you've got. You've, we've, come on, come on. You've got. Come on. We need some. Uh, and I was, I was like, I, what? You're telling me now? <laughs> we rehearsed this. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was all right anyway. Um, and I did what I did, but it was. Um, and I remember sort of being caught up in the excitement of the the production. But I do remember the producer put on the on the poster, something... I can't remember the exact words, but something like, you know, Buxton today. Today, Buxton. Tomorrow, the West End. And then then the rest of the world or something. Something like that, which is uh, almost... It's a quote from the producers, isn't it? Where, where <laughs> the, the German man and the producers, he says, says, today, Broadway, tomorrow, suffer. Which <laughs> It, it never, it never made beyond Buxton. No, it, um, it only just made Buxton. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I had enormous fun doing it, but you're right; it was completely full of um, of disastrous decisions. Yeah, I mean, I can only, I can only criticise my own. I remember doing a photo session uh, for we did a single. Yes, uh, from it. Um, and I remember seeing... You on one side, me on the other, I think. Yes. Well, we've made yes. a record together. Yes. And I remember seeing the um, the photo, the, 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 basically, you know, they showed me what the, the, they put together for the, for the thing, and they'd chosen the photographer. I had a spot on my forehead that was... <laughs> <laughs> looking like a you're third eye. You're taking me back. You're taking me right back. <laughs> I remember the time at the time in the evenings, you pouring red wine and saying, "It's got a great big spot right in the <laughs> what the hell?" <laughs> yes, yes, just like that. That's uh, that's yeah. just that's the cover <laughs> of the single. I'll never be able yes. to change it. No, no. Yep. I mean, as I say, you know, you learn from it, and thankfully, as I said, I, I did. Um, I learned that, you know, it, it, it's not a question of just you read that someone is boring, so therefore you play them boring. No. It's about how that develops and how, you know, how, it, how to encompass that to make it interesting. Mm. It's, it's a pointless just being boring. Yes. 
Because <laughs> it's boring. It's really boring. Yeah. It's just yawning time. <laughs> Probably part of them, your friends, feeling that it was 80 days long. Yes. Because, um, uh, you know... Well, a show that would allow me to put the joke in um, in India, where you said, oh, no, it's the sati. And I said, oh, thank good for that. I'm dying to sit down. <laughs> And that was one of my jokes. So the fact that that Very squeezed good. its way in. Very good. Uh, well, you've got to laugh, but it, it shows how desperate we were for humour. <laughs> yes. Well, I think having got to the point where I was called to the company manager's office and they said, if you do that thing juggling those apples while you're eating one of them again during that scene, you're off the show. Seriously? Yes. And I said, but it gets a big laugh, doesn't it? And they went, yes, but it's really distracting. I said, well, there's nothing else to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably Tony doing his thinking somewhere in in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> yes, let's put around the world in eighty days <laughs> into that capsule and seal it tight <laughs> and say thank you well, thank very you. much, Tony. It's lovely to talk to you. Oh, it's good and, to talk to you, man. Okay. Definitely. Let's do it in another 20 years or something. 20 years, yeah. <laughs> but even if we get together in 20 years' time, we'll still tell exactly the same anecdotes. True. <laughs> if we can remember them. <laughs> and there was this chap, what's his name, thingy. Um, oh, I can't remember. Tall man, wasn't well, it? That's one of the things that my mum, bless her heart, when my brother and I and she were in a room, in, in her room, they would be like that. Yeah, you, uh, oh, you know, um, he's, he's uh, well, he, he worked with, um, oh, Thingy. what's her face? Uh, <laughs> what's her face? <laughs> <laughs> and be, all three of us doing it. Yes. <laughs> my, my, my dad did exactly the same thing. That thing with what's it was with um, Thingy down at what's his name. Um, and he, he, he got this, um, this, this whatchamacallit, and uh, I've no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> You do. It was a very funny story. <laughs> anyway, yes. <laughs> thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Fun. You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Anthony Head. You can subscribe to this podcast if you want on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from. And you can leave a review or you could rate us. Very nice. Go on, you know you want to. You know you want to. Oh, no, don't write that. That's disgusting. Anyway, this program was produced and edited by John Fenton Stevens, and the music was by Pass the Peas Music. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at MyTCPod, where you'll find extra content and behind-the-scenes photos. Oh, or you can follow me, I don't know why you'd want to, on Twitter, at Fenton Stevens. My Time Capsule is a cast-off production. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you can join me again next time. Cheers. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.